As I told you earlier this past week, I was at Mundelein Seminary learning how to do spiritual direction. It was my first of three sessions for this formation year, and then I'll have two more after that. Uh, but as I went back there, that's also my alma mater. That's where I went for four years of my six of seminary. And going back there was like really, really strange because it literally had felt like I was like, I hadn't been there for like 40 years. Um, because they say as a priest, one year of priesthood is like 10 years of the life of everyone else. And I was just kind of reflecting on how much growth had happened since then and how much growth, I got like a lot of work to go. You know, like I, I have a lot of room for growth. And towards my, the end of my time there on Friday or, or Thursday evening, I skipped out on one of the holy hours. It was optional, okay? I still did do my holy hour. Um, but I went to go see one of my former professors, uh, Dr. Linda Curry, and um, she's also a clinical psychologist, a counselor, right? And I just went to her and she said, what would you like to talk about? And I said, I just, I just want to be a better priest. I'm not a very good listener sometimes. And we kind of just talked about some of the struggles of this past year that I've gone through personally. And towards the end, she just asked a few questions like, you know, what's like something that kind of bugs you? And I'm like, well, one of the things that bugs me is I'm like super celibate. Like, I love being a priest. I'm okay with being celibate. I just love, I love, I'm okay. Like, I, I see it as a total gift. And she's like, well, that makes you kind of strange. But I get it, right? And then, and then she asked, you know, we're talking about spiritual gifts and charisms. And two of my gifts, uh, one is prophecy and one is, is healing. And she's like, that is a really, really weird and strange combo. And she's like, do you ever feel deeply misunderstood by other people? And I'm like, yes, story of my life, right? And for some reason, the, those few words, like, you are going to be misunderstood or you are misunderstood, for some reason, it just kind of brought me back down to earth. And I really needed to hear those words. And especially, you know, as, as Jesus commands us to love one another in our gospel today, that's like really hard to do. I don't know about you if you think loving people is easy, but sometimes it is. But Jesus says in scriptures, like, if it's easy for you to love someone, like, who cares? Go love those who are your enemies. Go love those who get on your nerves. Go love those who, you know, drive you absolutely bananas. Go love one another. Short words, but very impactful. We also hear, you know, we're picking up from last week, we had the first half of John 15, where Jesus said, remain in me as I remain in you. Which means being in a deep, abiding relationship with him. Being in a deep, abiding relationship with him. That means we're always with him. He's our best friend. He even says, I call you my friends. I don't call you slaves, right? And he says, if you keep my commandments, which are like the rules, right? You will remain in my love. And he, he tells us these things because he wants us to be joyful. Now, I don't know about you, but like, I wish I was more joyful. Um, I have joy. I, I do have joy in me. It doesn't always come out externally. It's usually like a deep, deep abiding sense that Jesus loves me. It's a deep, deep abiding sense that Jesus loves me. And then he says, but no one has greater love than this, than to lay down your life for your friends. 
That's that agape love. That's that sacrificial love. That's a love that's not focused on self. It's focused on other and willing their good, which is, again, really, really hard, especially when, I don't know if you ever felt misunderstood when you're trying to do good for others, but that's very difficult. To, just to do that simple commandment to love one another. And as I was back at uh, the seminary, the one, the one place I'm always drawn to, when I was there, um, Father Robert Barron, now Bishop Robert Barron, he remodeled our theology chapel where we would, where we would pray in our building. And he, he replaced all of the, the windows with stained glass windows of different saints. And one saint that I've always been drawn to is Saint Gianna Mola. And she's more of a recent saint. She was born in, in Milan, and, and she has a, an incredible story. And in light of this being Mother's Day, I just want to share that with you because it goes right in line with John 15, 13, which says that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And sometimes I think you and I believe that sainthood is like way far off or there's no way I could become a saint. But as we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, the will of God is your sanctification. God's plan, God's will for your life is to become a saint. And there's these modern saints that are coming up to say they're not at a distance. This is actually possible for you and me. You might be deeply in, misunderstood in your following of Jesus and your attempt and your attempt and your attempt to love one another. But this is my will for your life. St. Gianna Mola she was born October 4th in 1922, and she's the 10th of 13 children. And as a young girl, uh, she just had a, a deep receptivity to the faith, to believing in Jesus, to this amazing love. And she had a really good Catholic education, not from her school, but from her parents. And in 1942, she began studying as a woman to be a doctor. Not many women at that time studied to be a doctor. She would have been very misunderstood, right? And she just had a heart for the elderly, for the needy. And she, re she received her degree in medicine and surgery from the University of Pavia in 1949. And the next year, she opened a private practice in Magenta in Italy. And, uh, and she just had a deep heart for again, the poor, the elderly, babies, and especially mothers. And she was considered in the field of medicine to be on mission. And this is a part of her family dynamic because she had two brothers who also were priests, one who was a diocesan priest, one who was a religious missionary priest, a Franciscan friar out in Brazil. And her parents taught her you know, how to love one another, how to lay down their lives for others, John 15, 13. However, after her third child, her next pregnancy became very, very difficult. You know, she got married to a wealthy businessman, but that last pregnancy really revealed her beautiful heart as a mother. She was found to have a cyst in her uterus with her last child, and she knew that her two options at that point were either to remove her uterus which means that she would have to have an abortion, or she might end up dying shortly after birth. She chose to remain pregnant. And when that 
time for birth came, she kept repeating the words, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Keep the child. Don't worry about me. Keep the child. My, my desire is for you to keep the child. About a week later, which is also the Vigil for Divine Mercy Sunday of all days, she passed. And she went through great suffering and pain after her birth of her child on Good Friday of that year. And she suffered well. And our world would say, why don't you just have an abortion? That's the easy thing to do. But no, she knew about sacrificial love. She knew about agape love. She knew that she would be misunderstood by many. Her daughter is still living to this day. And when she when her cause for canonization was, was brought up in 1994, 10 years later, she was canonized a saint. Miracles had happened through her intercession. And her husband was the first husband ever to be at his wife's canonization in 2004. And she's the last saint that St. Pope John Paul II canonized. Her daughter that she gave birth to and her husband right there, right in front of St. Pope John Paul II in St. Peter's Square, where she was canonized a saint. And in that stained glass window at Mundelein Seminary, this modern saint, the saint that you and I can relate to, she's got her coat on, her lab coat on for being a doctor, and she's even wearing pink heels, right? Just to say that she had joy in sacrificing her, lo- her life. Because she knew that, I think for a lot of us, she knew that she her, her life wasn't going to be defined by her time on earth, primarily. And I think for a lot of us, we, we, we look so much uh, at earth, and we forget about our heavenly life. And if we haven't been convicted during this time of the pandemic that we're going to die, like, I don't know what planet you've been living on. You and I are going to die. One and one die, 100% chance. But then we also have to have a chance to say, who or what am I going to live for? The culture, the world says, live for yourself. Live for yourself. Get more. But the Lord says, no, live a sacrificial life. Because you'll experience my joy by laying down your life for others. And if you've done that, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, there's an invitation there. And most of the saints are known through, like, through their life witness on earth, but also through the power of their intercession. And they want to help you live the gospel to actually love one another. The saints want to help you. I don't know if you need help in any area of your life or not, but I just find so much, consol- so much consolation that we have these cheerleaders in heaven that are just willing to help us love Jesus more and lay our lives down for those who are difficult to love more. And they weren't like way out there, super holy. A lot of them you and I can relate to in very real ways, especially for those of you who are mothers on this Mother's Day. And I can't think of a greater love than like the, mo- the love of a mother, right? Carrying a child in the womb and sacrificing your body for that child. And knowing that if you're going to raise your child in the faith, they're going to be deeply misunderstood. And it's going to be frustrating and discouraging 
Because the evil one doesn't want you to know the joy that Jesus desires for you. The evil one doesn't want you to know the joy that Jesus desires for you personally. And maybe you're thinking, well, nope, not me, not me. Yes, you, personally, you. And no one wants you to know that joy more than Jesus than Mother Mary. Mary gave God a face. Mary gave God a heart. Mary followed Jesus not just when it was easy, but when it was difficult. And that same mother wants to be your mother and my mother too. So we can know how to love one another. When Jesus was frustrated as a child, when people probably made fun of him, he most likely went and ran to his mom. I'm sure St. Joseph too. But we know that Joseph didn't make it all the way. Mary was always there to console. Mary was always there to console and help. And to say, you can join the team. You can be a saint too. You can help others too. Jesus commands us to love one another. And that is, at the Newman Center, that has been our kind of our battle cry, our rally cry all year. And I've got to say, like after this first year of being here, it's been the most difficult thing to do in the world. <laughs> Three short words, love one another. And if you do that, I just guarantee you, you're, you're going to be misunderstood often. But if you go in knowing that you're going to be misunderstood, for some reason, sometimes very simple sayings can go a long way. Jesus commands us to love one another, but not just to love one another, but as he loves us. The last thing I want to do is just pray briefly for us to know, experience somehow how much Jesus loves us. Because as we heard in our, in our second reading today, it's not that we love God, it's that he loved us. So we go and love other people. Earlier in the semester, I said the words, rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. That's why so many people leave the church. It's just been rules, rules, rules. There's never been an encounter with the living person of Jesus Christ. And the fastest way to encounter Jesus is through his mother. If you want to get to know a son better, go to mom. Ask her. All about him. Right, mom? So let us just close in prayer. Because if we don't leave here knowing we're loved, then what are we doing? Do you want to be understood? Do you want to know that Jesus is with you? Do you want to have the grace to love those, not just those that are easy to love, but those that, those that are hard to love? And to start living a life for others, or to keep living a life for others, so that our joy may be complete. So let us just close in a brief prayer before we begin our Eucharistic liturgy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mother Mary, on this Mother's Day, just in a special way, ask your blessing to come down upon all mothers. Please help them know that not only has Jesus 
with them right now, but he's always been with them in their trials and tribulations. We just ask blessings upon all mothers who are unable to be here. And Mother Mary, please pray for us just to know one simple thing. Help us to experience your son's love. Help us know the one simple thing that Jesus loves us. Speak to us in a way that we can understand, Mother Mary, to know of your son's personal love for us. And whatever darkness may be around us, we just ask you, Mother Mary, to take it away so that the light of your son, Jesus, may purify us. And to help us know that only his love will satisfy our hearts. And Mother Mary, we just ask you to wrap each of us in your mantle and protect us, especially from all frustration, discouragement. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among men. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.